gentlemen of the worldwide interwebs and all the ships at sea good evening and welcome to joe's people it's a catholic podcast but it's not totally lame tonight on the big show joe interviews brother emile of the taze brothers in france they talk about the ecumenical taze community in france the pilgrimage of trust and how to approach lent it's a show about christian unity and now the man who makes me a better catholic wait weren't you the one who spiked the punch bowl at the papal conclave Hey, stick to the script, or we'll get somebody else to do this. Darr. All right, and now the man who makes me a better Catholic, Mr. Joe Geisler. Okay, so I'm, I'm here this week uh, um, with Brother Emil, who's a Taze brother, and um, we're here uh, we're here on the campus on uh, at uh, Saint Andrews University, and we're uh, Brother Emil staying with the uh, the Holy Cross brothers. And it's good to have you on the show. Thank you, Joe. So now, um, uh, so I know a little bit about the Taze movement, um, but first, yes, we wanted to talk a little bit about um, uh, about you know your spiritual journey and how you got involved uh, with Taze. Well, I was born in Canada uh, okay. in uh, in the fifties, and and I, I uh, first heard about Taze when I was seventeen years old, and uh, and I didn't really know what Taizé was. I'd never heard the word of Taizé before. and Someone didn't explain it very well, just said, you'll be interested because there's a weekend in your hometown, and it's about France, and it's about the developing world. And, and I had no idea that it was connected to faith or religion. Or, uh, and so I went to this gathering, and I saw these people, and they were, seemed like great people. Uh, no brothers were there at the time. It was just young yeah. adults who had been to Taizé, and... I, they seemed very authentic. That's what struck me. I, I had lots of Christian friends at school, but I always wondered a little bit if what was the basis, what was the foundation huh, behind all the joy and the optimism that Christians were showing. And and, uh, and there I think I understood during that weekend, I, even if I was very young, mm-hmm. I think I understood that joy has a foundation. And, and, and that, that reminds me of what Lewis said that. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what was the surprised by exact, joy? I think. Yeah, surprised said. by joy, and also um, discovering where all the joy came from yeah, yeah, was the yeah, biggest yeah, thing yeah, in yeah. life, right? And I think for me, it was really discovering the resurrection, uh, discovering what it means that Christ is risen, that joy has a foundation because Christ is risen. Mm-hmm. And so naturally, I wanted to know more. It was reawakened the faith that I had had as a child, but that had been dormant for a while. And, and this weekend, or and this was a this a, was this one event or like an, an evening thing. Like it, was a full weekend. Okay. it was a full weekend. It was a full weekend, Friday to Sunday, and uh, and it was you know what, people had been to Taizé in France uh, mm-hmm. who were leading the weekend. There was a young Dominican, uh, twenty six years old, who then became an advisor to the head of the whole all the Dominican order in Rome. But he was just okay. a young, dynamic Dominican. I, I don't think I had ever seen that mixture of intelligence, humanity, prayerfulness before. And so I think that touched me very deeply. Uh, yeah. And so there was also a very remarkable sister um, who was in her 30s then who loved young people and said, what a shame that there's nothing that could get young people excited about the faith here. It's such a remote area. There isn't very much. Yeah. And so she said, I'm going to Tizé with a group. 
And so I was asked if I wanted to go to France uh, with this group, and it wasn't wasn't very expensive. There was a government grant for a cultural trip to Europe. You already speak the language, so you're there. And I spoke there. French, and so, <laughs> and so that wasn't difficult. And so I ended up in Tizé for a week in July 74. July okay. So it'll be 40 years this year. And then I went back to Canada, finished my high school. Uh, I guess here will be first year of college. It was grade 13 then. And, uh, and felt I had to take a year off uh, just to think about how the gospel could be at the center uh, of life. You know, you read the gospel and you read those words, come follow me, and they got up and they followed him, and it seems so straightforward and yeah. direct in the gospels, but I, I was wondering, how does that translate today? What, what do you do today to follow Christ? And It never works like that for me. It's hard for me to get followers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, I'll go to Tizé for a year. I'll, I'll ask if I can go to Tizé for a year. And, and so I, I asked one of, the, one of the brothers who was traveling in Canada, and he said, yes, come. And so so I was there f- with a very clear project of being there one year, from, mm-hmm. from September 75 to May 76, and then I wanted to go back because I liked studying. I, I, I got an attraction to, to So are you mostly, so you're there praying and studying and... No, I, I was there actually uh, as a volunteer, so very available for the work there is to be done to make... The, because we get huge numbers of people at Tizzy. You get 100,000 people who come for a week at Tizzy. Okay. You know, three to 5,000 a week in the summer. And those, those years was less, but still quite significant numbers. And so... Uh, when I, people visit, though, so what... Um, I guess exactly when you... Even in your first visit, I mean, so what, you know, what was it like when you first visited there? Uh, well, when I went in 74, there were maybe uh, close to 2,000 people there for the week. Uh, Tizzy is a small village, so there's, there was no houses for everyone to stay in. We, we, we camped. Uh, there were a community of brothers had very little money, so they, they wanted to welcome people, but they, they had to do with very little. So they, they bought some old U.S. surplus army tents yeah. and uh, put some straw on the, on the ground. <laughs> and uh, it was possible to welcome thousands of people. Uh, and the meals were very, very simple. But the prayer was central, morning, midday, and evening. The monastic community prayer, that, mm-hmm. was, that spoke to me. Um, and, uh, and there was this, uh, yeah, there was the person of Brother Roger, also the founder of Tese community. He was already quite known, quite well known in those years, in the 70s. And, uh, and you might want to tell our listeners a little bit about Brother, yeah. Brother Roger. Uh, Brother uh, Roger uh, founded Tese in 1940, when he was just 25 years old. And his vision was a small community, a small community of men. I think he had heard too many sermons as a boy. Yeah. He didn't, didn't want to hear more words about Christianity. He wanted to live something. Live a, he said, live a parable, live a sign of peace, of reconciliation, of joy, of uh, a sign of the gospel. Yeah. And so, so he had and it's read... Interesting. He's, so, he's, uh, so Brother Roger is Protestant. And yes. He basically wants to be sort of a Protestant monk in yeah. a way, right? Yeah, his he, roots were all oh. Protestant. He was the son of a pastor. And, uh, and we Catholics think we, if we think monk or if we hear we hear brother we think Catholic right yes yes but, but it actually uh, but that's the thing though is he, he's praying for Christian unity and bringing Catholics right, right, and, right. and Protestants together in this right, prayer right, right right so you're right though you're right because you know there are not many Protestant communities Tese is not a Protestant community I'm Catholic and yeah. the brothers it's an ecumenical community brothers of different denominations but but Brother Roger um, was the son of a pastor and he. He said later in his life, you know, I found my identity by reconciling my origins, my Protestant origins, with the faith of the Catholic Church. Yeah. And without breaking off. 
communion with anyone. And so Brother Roger did something that was probably without precedent. Nobody ever did before since the Reformation, since the 16th century, you know, to, to live reconciled without breaking off with anyone. And, and it took all his, uh, his creativity, his, his capacity to create trust with church leaders to, to do that. And his perseverance, Brother Roger was very persevering. Yeah. He was a founder. He was a founder. Uh, Mother Teresa and Brother Roger used to know each other quite well. And when you would see them both together, you would say, yes, those are two founders. They have the same the same perseverance there. They, they're the fighters. No, yeah. They won't give up easily. And, and, and their strength comes from prayer. And so Brother Roger started the Tizzi community in 1940. And it grew slowly, 15, 20, 30 brothers. And then quite surprisingly, at the end of the 50s, young, young adults started knocking at the door to see if they could spend a few days. And, and so in the 60s, 70s, and even more today, uh, thousands and thousands of young people come each year and uh, and so Tese I guess is both things now it's the name of a community of brothers about a hundred brothers we are now yeah. Catholic and Protestant together and it's a place where young adults come to reflect on their faith to pray to search for a deeper meaning to their life to search for their commitment also what kind of commitment they want to make because of their faith and uh, and so that's that's the, what goes on at Tese Brother Roger died in 2005 okay. and uh his successor is Brother Alois, who's our prior now, and uh, and I know that I, I'd heard um, from my friend Alex, who's big, or he he would he plays the cello at uh, Teze services. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked about the um, Brother Roger's funeral. Yeah, that there were church leaders from all over yeah, that yeah. Uh, that came to attend. Yeah, Brother Roger was killed in the church at Teze by someone who had was schizophrenic, lost their mind, and, and yeah. attacked him with a knife, and he died very very suddenly. Uh, in a totally unexpected way. No one expected a 90-year-old man to, of peace, yeah. a gentle, gentle man to be killed. Strange death, strange death. The because of the beginning of evening prayer. And, and the funeral took place one week later. Uh, and you're right, there were church leaders. I mean, Cardinal Casper came from Rome. He was the cardinal at the time who was in charge of the Pontifical Council for Christian Unity, so that special service in Rome that promotes Christian unity. He presided at the funeral. It was a Catholic mass. Um, then there were readings made by the president of the German Protestant Church and the president of the French Protestant Church. And, oh. and there was an Anglican bishop who read also. And, and the Orthodox, all the Orthodox uh, uh, monks and priests of France, they came and the, many of them were there to sing around. The, and it was, they were truly losing a brother. Yeah. They'd been a brother to them. And, yeah, belonging, you know, Brother Archer, belonged. Uh, in a way, to to each one of their traditions, they they they, they felt it, he was their brother. There was a um, uh, see my, now his name escapes me. Uh, the the, um, the monk that talked about being a, uh, a universal brother. Um, what was Brother Roger? Yeah. Oh, you uh, mean Charles de Foucault? Charles yeah, de Foucault. Yeah, 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 yeah. Charles de Foucault was the founder of what's called the Little Brothers of Jesus. Yeah, and it, it reminded me a little bit of that. But yes, it's sort of yes. like a yes. Yeah, trying to, and he he lived among the, the Muslims. Right? He was and also uh, killed. He was also yeah. killed. Yes, yes, huh. yes. A hundred years ago or so, a little rover. Yeah, he was also a blessed, now blessed child of Foucault. Yeah, um, and uh, yes, his feast is first of December, and and you're right. There is a proximity. Even even there's a place in Tese named after him, after okay. Charles de Foucault. The little sisters are a little bit more well known than the little brothers. The little sisters. Uh, grew uh, into a large number. There are over a thousand little sisters now. Hmm. Only a few small groups in the U.S. There's a small group in Chicago that I visited two years ago that live in the west side of Chicago, a tough area. Yeah. And, uh, 
but there are connections, yeah, very, very much so with the little, little sisters and little brothers. Cool. All right, we'll take a little, we'll take a little break, sure. then we'll get, we'll get back and sure. uh, talk about uh, the pilgrimage of trust. Yeah, sure. That's coming up. So, all right, we'll take a break. This is Mary McClory, M little C big C little L O R Y, and you're listening to Joe's People. Hey folks, we want to let you know that the Joe's People Amazon store is open for business. Just go to joespeople.com and click on our store link at the top, or you can go directly at joespeople.com/store. We have some of Joe's favorite Catholic books, music and movies. We have both paper and Kindle books and music by Catholic musicians, including one of Joe's favorites composer and pianist Eric Jenis. Come check us out. That's joespeople.com slash store. Thanks and God bless. I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit now about the... Um, actually, I guess... Well, oh, one thing about the Tese movement is the... So the um, it's, it is a... It is a it seems like it's a worldwide movement, right? There's... Um, like I said, I, I know that in Austin we had... Um, we, we used to have our services uh, once a... Um, once a, uh, I guess about about once every three four months by my, my friend Pierre, and I know that the uh, the Baptist Church here has uh, I think they still have a ongoing uh, service either once a month or every few months. But um, I guess in terms of the the movement, um, uh, just curious, like what what kind of numbers are we talking? Like is it it's is it I mean it's obviously centered in in uh, Taizé, France, but I mean, yeah. um, there's well, people let, let me, over, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, let me explain. Uh, Taizé really is not a movement in the sense of, uh, with members. Yeah. Uh, it's a community of 100 brothers, and our message has always been, go back to your local church. Yeah. Continue there. And so, the only thing is that some people take back the idea of having a prayer with song, like we do at Taizé, with short songs, meditative yeah. prayer, with silence. And so, the, sometimes they say, oh, it's prayer like in the style of Taizé, or or with songs of Tese, or the, you know, some people shorten it even say, Tese is a prayer, yeah. Tese prayer. Uh, it was never our intention to start that. No? Yeah. Our intention was just to live our life at Tese, and to be a community, and to pray. But, uh, but we're not against, of course, people taking back the songs and starting a prayer in their church, and that happens all over the world, really, all over, all over the world. There are, there are people who pray once a week, or twice a month, or every week. Uh, with these songs in you know, all kinds of places, yeah, Catholic churches and all kinds of different Protestant churches and chaplaincies, and uh, I think it's you know I think you would find hundreds, if not thousands, of groups in the U.S. that that meet uh, regularly. Uh, but it's no no reference to us in the yeah. sense that we don't have any any contact, or, or it's not because we have you know, authorized something. Or get, that's better, less paperwork. Yeah, right, right, right. It's just people. <laughs> Who understood sometimes more or less sometimes yeah. sometimes they don't have very good command of music or so that the songs are not always well sung but but it's yeah. people who just want to pray with with the songs and so in the US um, Tese I think is known more for the music yeah that's what yeah. I, that's that's the way I knew it from yeah, and yeah. it sound what's funny is when I hear it um, I asked I'm like so what period is that from because yeah, right. it sounds you know it's, right. there's there's a lot of there's Latin songs yeah, right, and right, um, right, right. Yeah. It's, yeah, you know, it yeah. sounds like it's it's medieval, right? Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, what happened is that uh, when the numbers started to increase at Tese in the 1960s and 70s, uh, there was this tremendous challenge. How do you pray with people who speak 30, 40, 50 languages uh, who don't have any experience of 
prayer with monks or with religious communities. They can't learn complicated melodies. And that's where the idea came up of short songs. Yeah. They're known today as the Teze songs or the Teze chants. And uh, songs, just a few words. At the beginning, we weren't too sure if we should give more importance to one language than another. So we, we said, let's have a few songs in Latin to kind of be neutral. Yeah. And then we noticed that actually the young adults coming to Teze were very happy to go from one language to another. So we sing now in English and Spanish and German and Swedish, even in Lithuanian yeah. uh, and many other languages. And uh, so that's, that's, that's become a, a big part, I suppose, of our life now is to uh, welcome people for a week coming to pray and, uh, and then encouraging them to continue in the life of faith at home. And we, we know that it's an illusion to try to do that alone. No, you cannot. Yeah. You try to live your faith alone. You end up, after a while, you get discouraged and you say, oh, I'll pray tomorrow. And you end up forgetting prayer completely. And that's I've talked with my friends about even... Um, the you know even or we talk about the, the community of Saint John and even um, people aren't even allowed to become hermits mm-hmm. uh, unless they've been in a religious community for years sure. right it's not that um, sure. uh, you know they the the religious will you know live in a community yeah. and then if you know it's usually it's under you know if their spiritual director and their yes. community approves then okay yes it fine, must not be okay. a, an escape it but, must uh, not be running away from yeah. from the difficulties of community or the challenge of community and so. So our message is that, say to young people, go, go home. And, and we, realize that, we realize that it's not easy for a young person to understand a message about church because they, not everyone has an experience of, of a lively church, a place of hope. You know, some people say there are only a few old people in my church. And, yeah. and so, so we thought maybe we as brothers should leave Teze as well, at least once or twice a year, and prepare a gathering uh, in different cities of Europe and other continents, and all of these gatherings will say that they are tied together by what we have called a pilgrimage of trust. Mm-hmm. So we leave Tese as pilgrims of trust, trying to, trying ourselves not to forget to go to sources of trust, not yeah. to, to rekindle the trust that is in us, but also to take the word trust in, in other possible meanings, now, to try to go to places where trust has been has broken down, has been broken down, uh, places where there's war, conflict, and Great mistrust. You know, last year we were on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservations where we had our Teze gathering for the U.S. in 2013. Okay. And uh, it was the Lakota people who welcomed us, the Sioux Lakota people. And you can imagine what that word trust meant in that context, so many wounds. And, uh, and, and yet they said, no, we want to welcome this. We asked the tribe and they all voted unanimously to welcome the pilgrimage of trust in, and about yeah. 600 young Americans came yeah. six from 35 states and they accepted to camp in very very difficult living conditions we only had, we only had water to drink to, to wash our hands in the morning and wash our face but there was no showers yeah. uh, it was Memorial Day weekend and uh, we prayed we, we talked uh, it was a, there were some very remarkable moments and we did the same in many other contexts in Rwanda Okay, South yeah. South Africa. Oh, yeah, I've heard, uh, um, I've heard Immaculate uh, Ilabogiza talk uh, okay. about, or um, either survivor of the Rwandan right, Holocaust. Right, right, and, uh, right. and so the yeah. Rwandan churches, the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church, got together to invite Teze, and they said, we would really like a pilgrimage of trust. And so we did that two years ago. And hmm. About 9,000 young people from Rwanda and East Africa came together for three days. And, uh, That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, the pil- it's what we call the pilgrimage of trust. Yeah. And so it's coming to and, Austin. And it's, yeah, it's coming to Austin, coming to Texas, and uh, um, so uh, let's see. Yeah, so like I said, we'll have a we'll have an ad, uh, <laughs> but um, 
so let's see. So in Austin, it's coming up pretty soon. Yeah, twenty first to the twenty third of March, so really very soon. Okay. And then Dallas will be fourth to the sixth of April. Okay. Yeah. And Houston will be twenty fifth to twenty seventh of April. So the Houston is the last of the three gatherings. It'll be a full weekend, starting Friday afternoon. People will arrive late afternoon and. Have a first prayer at 8 p.m. The prayers are open to people of all generations. Okay. You don't have to be a certain age group. The weekend itself is it's for, for young designed adults. for so young adults, young. 18 to 35. But we really hope all generations will come for prayer at First Baptist Church in, uh, on the corner of Ninth and Trinity. Okay, yeah, okay. I've been there. And so, Our friend Abby took me there once. I went there for a, okay. they have a uh, They have their own Trinity Street players. They have a play uh, okay. uh, or a theater troupe, and they acted out... Um, uh, they acted out Mark Twain's. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, it was monologues of or diaries of Adam and Eve. Okay, uh, and uh, it was pre- it was pretty interesting. But yeah, um, yeah. that's where our, our venue. It's not going to be a Baptist event. It's there'll yeah. be many Catholics, there'll be many Methodist Episcopalians. But the, no, they the venue better, they got better venue. space than we have. The cathedral they have a wonderful space. <laughs> they have a wonderful space, and so they offered it. Some of them had been to Tese in France. Yeah. Some had some had been to the Pine Ridge meeting, and so they offered to host it. And we said we were very happy to accept their their invitation, and so. Then we'll be in Dallas, uh, uh, to, yeah, 4th to the 6th of April, and it will be in a first United Methodist church in called White's Chapel, okay. uh, just between uh, Dallas and Fort Worth, in a suburb called South Lake. Okay. And, uh, and then Houston will be at an Episcopal church, St. John the Divine. And uh, the program will be, in all three, will be 8 p.m. prayer on Friday night, a full day on Saturday, 9 a.m. prayer, then it will be Bible reflection with the brothers, uh, small group sharing, midday prayer at 12.15, again, open to everyone, uh, lunch, and then we're going to have workshops in the afternoon. And the, the idea of workshops is to offer uh, different ways of coming together to think about faith, hope. Uh, some will be directly biblical, directly drawing from the sources of faith of, uh, to help people deepen their understanding of those sources. Others will have to do more with social concerns here. How can Christians be present to some of the challenges that are in our societies? And, yeah. and a third category will be more with music and art because that's, that's for some ways the best way to, to go further in the, in the discovery of the mystery of God. And so, so we'll have th- at least those three categories uh, of workshops. And Sunday we are saying to people just go to local worship. So, so the, the Saturday is the richest day with those three prayer times, 9 a.m., 12, 15, and 8 p.m. in the evening. Okay. That's the prayer I would recommend. That's sort of like, that kind of reminds me of the, um, well, yeah, I mean, um, so yeah, the, it mirrors, uh, I'm guessing, some of the religious community life of prayers at different times. Yes, yes, uh, that's right. exactly. We, we, that's what we do at Tizay. We pray three times a day, and what a lot of communities do. And, and uh, the prayer will be with the songs. We'll have a short Bible reading and the silence. It'll be a very quiet, meditative prayer. First Baptist Church will not look like a Baptist church. There'll be icons, uh, from, but uh, but it, it will be it will be I think a nice space, very nice space. That reminds me of uh, um, Professor Peter Bergsma. Um, actually, he teaches at Franciscan University at Steubenville. He talked about he he was in the military, or his dad was a chaplain, and actually um, I don't um, I think maybe Presbyterian chaplain. And the thing is, is that uh, so they would have prayer. Uh, they would have a um, the. The Presbyterian ceremony, and then they would it would be multi-use chapel, right. and then they they uh, they had to turn everything into ready for Catholic mass right, right afterwards. Right. So he was used to <laughs> to this yeah. juxtaposition right. of the two faiths. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's interesting. Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah. it's all being all being made up. Yeah, yes. it's uh, um, 
So, okay, so there'll be um, there'll be workshops and uh, yeah, the music. Uh, it reminds me of um, we were. I was just talking to a friend about uh, Pope Benedict talked about the he or he had this via pulchritudinous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's encyclical about drawing beauty. people in through beauty. Yes, yes. It's a theme that that we've often uh, talked about. It is a our founder, Brother Roger, had a great sense of beauty, uh, but a beauty that is not expensive. Yeah. <laughs> a beauty that can be. Just an orange cotton, a few candles, an icon, a uh, wooden floor. Yeah. Uh, and there's something of the simplicity of God's creation, uh, harmonious beauty. And, and, uh, and I think the beauty of song, the beauty of song as well, because the songs are beautiful when they are well sung, when there are good cantors and instruments and to support. And, and I think many, many people have discovered faith at Tese because of the beauty of the songs. Uh, hmm. uh, beauty is disarming. You know, we, yeah. live, we live in s- with so much fear of God today. People are afraid of opening up to God. They're afraid they lose their freedom. And, and sometimes they come to Tese with the same fears, but the beauty of the songs just kind of gives them the desire to open up to something so beautiful. You, know, you don't want to run away from beauty. You want to be open to it. And, and, uh, and yes, so, yeah. Lewis talked about that, about how... Um, I think, I think he said that re, uh, he, it was uh, there was two twin lions in front of the soul that keep the soul from God, and um, he said that that story is able to get around these lions. But see, I, I thought, yeah, so is you know, beauty does the same thing. It's sort of able to get past the lions. I didn't know that yeah. reference. Yes, I think that's true. Urs von Balthasar, the great Catholic theologian of the twentieth century, said uh, said that good, the universals, what was called the universals in the Middle Ages, good. Uh, truth and beauty are like three sisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you forget one of them, the two others take out a mysterious revenge. <laughs> yeah? Yeah? And it means that yeah. faith is not really faith if there's no beauty. Yeah? And truth is not really truth if we can't see the beauty of it. Yeah? And so truth has sometimes been the forgotten dimension of our faith. And people know, oh yes, I have to do this because it's a moral obligation. No. Yeah. Or I have to believe this because it's true, but there's a beauty when your heart is touched you open up to something so much more naturally and it's not forced upon you and so so I, a lot of the 20th century I think has been about rediscovering that dimension of our faith right? the forgotten dimension which was so present in the middle ages and yeah. present in antiquity and, and Chesterton talked about that how faith should be more of a love affair yes yeah. yes 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 Chesterton knew how to talk about those things <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. alright so we'll uh, we'll take a break and I'll have a couple more questions Good. after the sure. break the Teze Pilgrimage of Trust in Austin will be occurring on March 21st through the 23rd. The Teze brothers have arrived, and soon an advanced team of volunteers will descend on First Baptist Church of Austin to prepare for the beginning of the first Pilgrimage of Trust ever be held in Texas. Young adults between the ages of 18 and 35 have been invited from all over North America to pray and study with the brothers of the Teze community at an ecumenical gathering March 21st to the 23rd at First Baptist Church of Austin at 901 Trinity Street in downtown Austin. The Pilgrimage of Trust will begin with evening prayer on Friday, March 21st and end midday on Sunday, March 23rd. The Pilgrimage of Trust was launched more than 35 years ago by Brother Roger, the founder of the Teze community. The Teze community began in 1940. The community is monastic in its essence, but the message of Teze has always been to unite inner life and human solidarity. The 100 brothers who are now part of the community are from all continents and major denominations. 
In France, their prayer brings together morning, midday, and evening the brothers and all those taking part in the weekly meetings. 100,000 young adults gather each year in the small village of Taizé, located in Burgundy, France. In addition, tens of thousands of young adults take part each year in gatherings held in various cities around the world. Since not everyone can travel to France for this life-changing experience, the Taizé brothers regularly organize huge gatherings known for their beautiful musical prayers in major European cities and on other continents. Taking their worship abroad, they have committed to a once-in-a-lifetime visit to Texas, with gatherings planned in Austin, March 21st to the 23rd, Dallas, April 4th to the 6th, and Houston, April 25th to the 27th. At these gatherings, the brothers pray with young adults and help them reflect on ways in which they can be present to some of today's challenges. The aim of the Pilgrimage of Trust is to help young adults become bearers of peace and reconciliation in the places where they live. Although the gathering is specifically tailored for young adults, all morning, midday, and evening prayer services are open and free to the general public. All ages are invited to attend. Taizé prayer services will be Friday, March 21st at 8 p.m. and Saturday, March 22nd at 9 a.m., 12.15 p.m. and 8 p.m. Thank you. All right, so yeah, so um, now I just wanted to turn it to, uh, it's funny, I usually, I tell my friends that uh, I don't like to date the podcast, so I like them to be kind of timeless, so mm-hmm. that if somebody's listening, you know, mm-hmm. any particular time, it always speaks to them. But since uh, right now we're in the midst of Lent, you might want to mention, yeah, how, you, you mentioned how the community changes, or observes Lent. Yeah. And, well, we, um, the songs we sing during Lent, of course, are, are, are special. You know, they talk about returning to God, they talk about, you know, uh, leaving behind what weighs you down, uh, all of those wonderful songs that we don't always understand properly. We don't always, they sometimes seem to be cultivating a sense of guilt or... Yeah, uh, yeah, for Catholics it's yeah, fish, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. But, but, and, you know, but even the, even the songs, the, the, the songs uh, like 51, the Psalm 51 that we sing during Lent, we don't often see the beauty of it. Actually, they're, 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 a lot of those texts of Lent express a great trust that a new beginning is possible. Yeah. Uh, and that's what it's all about. The time of Lent is always is preparing for that new beginning you know, with the resurrection and welcoming people in. Right? It was that yeah. uh, it had to do with you know people people converting to faith. Right? They were um, this was the time that they got ready, and it's like right. well, if they're getting ready, everybody might as well get ready. Right? right? right, right. Yes, and, yeah. exactly, exactly. And leaving behind things that become a burden we don't really need to carry. No, we don't need to carry. They just weigh us down. And, and so, Brother Roger, our founder. Uh, the Tuesday community he used to say uh, 40 days to celebrate the forgiveness of God yeah 40 days to celebrate the forgiveness of God that's that's a good way to see Lent I think we prepare we prepare ourselves to celebrate resurrection and uh, one of the best sermons I've ever heard on Lent uh, was in my own country not so long ago I was at Regis College in Toronto and uh, there was a Jesuit who who wonderfully reflected on what could you give up for Lent I think the best sermon I've ever heard because he said you know you could give up chocolate you could give up this or that but maybe you'd be too proud afterwards that you succeeded <laughs> uh, yeah. and so he, he, he invited people to give up the idea that they are unlovable yeah for Lent <laughs> to practice that to exercise that uh, that I cannot be loved to give up that idea to abandon that idea, to relinquish that idea, huh? yeah. and, and to learn that you are lovable, that you are not only lovable, but that you are loved. Huh? And uh, I think it's a good approach. It's a good approach because God is not always where we expect God to be. 
Definitely. Sometimes we think, oh, he's the, he's the perfectionist. He wants me to... No. And God always wants greater perfection, greater efforts. No. Try harder. You're not trying hard enough. No. That was and, Lewis again. He yeah. asked a young boy, what, what do you imagine God to be? And he said, I imagine him to be a kind of person that if he finds that everybody's having any fun, he puts a stop to right, it immediately. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and so the surprising image that, that, that this man was giving of God is that God is on the... He's not that super you know, ego. He's not that, that uh, always more, always more. But he's also the God who says... Uh, Rest in me. No? Know that you are loved. No? Yeah. The affirming God. Right? Not, not the God who puts you to sleep simply. He can challenge you. God can also challenge us and, and provoke us into action. But, but, uh, but isn't that a wonderful idea, though, to give up the idea that you are unlovable, to give that up for Lent? Yeah, it's, it's giving up a lie, yeah, effectively. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. And to practice that. Cool. So what in... Uh, uh, in order to, so so personally, what would you how would you say you uh, um, how does your spiritual your spirituality change during Lent, or what do you what do you feel like you do more to to you know draw closer to God during during this period? Well, when you're in a community, you sing the same songs over and over again, and during Lent, you sing Psalm 51 very regularly, no? mm-hmm. and uh, the other Psalms of Lent as well, but 51 in particular, no? and and uh, and so. Sometimes it becomes a bit much because you're hearing all these words over and over again. And day. It's like hearing the same commercial over. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, yeah, I think you have to come. You have to realize what 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 is being sung. What are we singing? You know. Um, and so I, I think some years you're better at it than others because, but some years you you see that it's not about guilt. It's not about you know uh, indulging in these negative feelings. It's of guilt. It's it's more about letting go. Yeah, letting go of what it's more about uh, believing that you know, a new freshness is possible. And we sometimes have a hard time believing when we're weary, when we've had many failures, when we've fallen so many times. We sometimes no longer believe that a new beginning is possible. Uh, and let it is full of that trust that you know, let go, uh, and don't think of the past, start. Set out a new turn to me, no? and it is in the spring when there when yeah, you yeah. Know, there's new life and right, new beginnings, right? Right. And, right. Yeah. and so, so for me, I think that's it's been mostly that trying to understand why there's this insistence on these texts, uh, and then you, you might want to go into uh, Psalm, what Psalm 51 exactly talks about. Well, Psalm 51 is the it's a great Psalm of David, according to tradition. It's when the prophet Nathan told him that he had taken the wife of Uriah. Okay, yeah. Sheba, and, and David hadn't, hadn't realized that he had gotten Uriah killed. He, he, he was yeah, he sent him into the front line. Sent him to the front so, line. Yeah. He, he didn't really realize how, what he had done. And so when Nathan confronted him, he said Psalm 51, according to tradition, have mercy on me, O Lord. No? Yeah. In your great mercy, in your great tenderness, forgive me. And if you read that properly... Uh, you see that it's actually a psalm of tremendous trust that God can renew him. Yeah. Even if he's broken, even if he feels broken or he's broken, God, he has this trust that God could, could renew And there's this wonderful use, which uh, there's a Bible called the Jerusalem Bible. It's a Catholic translation of the Bible uh-huh. done by the Dominicans. And, and the French edition was the first edition in, done by the French-speaking Dominicans of Jerusalem. And it exists in English. And, and the Jerusalem Bible generally is very careful with the word justice, because it knows that contemporary our contemporaries don't understand what the Bible means with the word justice. And so the Jerusalem Bible often adds the word saving justice. 
Yeah. Because it gives the meaning the proper meaning. That's not God's justice is not God who judges us harshly or who gives us what we deserve. That's what we tend to think. No, we think justice you get what you deserved. Right? Yeah. And 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 justice in scripture isn't that. In the Bible, justice is God's faithfulness to his goodness. Mm-hmm. And so you understand in Psalm 51 why David or the person who wrote the psalm why he's saying at the beginning have mercy on me O Lord in your goodness in your enormous kindness remember me he's reminding God yeah reminding God that he's good Good, because he might have forgot and so so then everyone will understand your justice your saving justice and say ah that's really a God who is just most people think most people I, I believe think that what the psalm is saying is I have sinned I deserve to be punished. If you punish me, you are just. Yeah. <laughs> no? But if you look at the, the, really the, the biblical meaning of the word just, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I have sinned. No? I feel terrible. No? Uh, I feel old because of my sin. I feel weary. Yeah. But you are a God of freshness and goodness and kindness. So if you renew me, give me a new heart, no? make me white as snow again, everyone will say, ah, he's a God that is just. Yeah. He's faithful to his saving justice. He's faithful to his goodness. Everyone will say, ah, you see how faithful that God is to his goodness. I have had a priest tell me once that, um, during confession, that uh, you focus so much on God's justice, but you forget about his infinite mercy. Yes, yes, yes. And in the Bible, they're not opposed. You see, in, in contemporary English, they would be. No, you would say, justice is you get what you deserve, mm-hmm. huh? and mercy, oh, well, you, you know, guy, let's go, even if you owe him something, you know, let's go, because he has mercy on you. But in the Bible, they're not opposed. Yeah. Justice in the Bible is God's faithfulness to his goodness. That's why the Jerusalem Bible adds the word saving justice. Saving. It's a saving justice. Justice that saves. No, no. So you have these words in Scripture that are very strange for us today, knowing uh, I have sinned, O Lord, save me in your justice. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not I have sinned, punish me by your justice, but save me because you are a just God. No, it means save me because you are a God of goodness. Yeah. And you always act according to that goodness, not according to what I merited or deserved. Wonderful difference. Eh? That's the, um, there's always the, the challenge in translation between translating word yeah, for right, word right, right. and which isn't as readable and right. trying to translate for readability right it's right so, yes, yeah. yes 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 we were very fortunate at Tizé to have some great bible scholars one of them was father Stanislas Lyonnais who was a french jesuit Lyonnais l y o n e t he was a, the rector of the pontifical institute in rome mm-hmm. so the highest institution of the catholic church i think for study of scripture he was a rector in the 60s, early 60s, until the 70s maybe. And he used to come to Tizé because he was very, very concerned about how young people would find keys to understand the Bible. Yeah. And he, he thought he could help with that. He thought Tizé could help with that. So, so he came to Tizé many times and he would teach us. And he'd studied scripture. He'd studied all his life. He was already close to 80 when he came. You know, known as one of the great, great Bible scholars, inspired Cardinal Martini. He was Cardinal Martini's teacher. He was huh. uh, inspired so many great Bible scholars. He had worked on the vocabulary of redemption. That would there'll be, but that will be so prevalent at Easter now. No, we'll be hearing all those difficult words. He saved the world. He reconciled the world. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, salvation save, and redemption. Redemption, and, all yeah. those words that are difficult. And he had worked on that vocabulary, uh, especially in St. Paul's writings. Mm-hmm. And he tried to show that even if Paul uses some terms that are more from the legal world, have a kind of legalistic flavor to them, yeah. uh, it's actually a mystery of love mm. that is being talked about. It's not a, a mystery that is characterized by legalism, uh, yeah. but it's actually a mystery of love. So we, if we press the images that Paul uses, if we exaggerate, mm, you end up with this terrible system. Mm? But if you take them for what they're for, images, metaphors, mm, then you see the beauty of the mystery in them. Stanislas Lyonnais was this, this Bible scholar, and he once told me that, uh, well, he told the community where I was, um, that he had to translate the Bible for children. Yeah. And he came across this very difficult passage in Matthew 14, where Jesus says, I have not come to bring peace, but the sword. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he's, you know, he said, I scratch my head. Because how do you say to children <laughs> that Jesus didn't come to bring peace, he came to bring a sword? And we'll say it's okay to fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so he said, I, I, I thought a long time, because I didn't want to offer a cheap translation. I wanted to yeah. offer a translation that would be rigorous, faithful to the meaning of the Bible. And he says, I think I found. And, and this is what he came up with. He translated that difficult passage with these words. Jesus said, I came to bring a peace that nobody wants because it is for everyone. Yeah. And, and he felt that was a, a faithful translation. Because he said the sword that Jesus talks about, what divides people, is that he is there for everyone. Yeah. If he was just there for my group, it would be okay. But if he's there for my enemy's group, there's a problem. Yeah. I want it to be there just for me. Yeah, see, Americans are used to praying for their football team. Right, right, right. right. (laughs) So so that's why Jesus Jesus says, I came to bring a peace that no one wants. Because it's for everyone. Mother Teresa, she used to get dinged for... um, you know, uh, for not taking sides in certain yeah. politics. And right. she said, but if I'm for one particular candidate, I have to be against the other one. Right. She said, and I'm supposed to embrace everybody. Yes. Uh, and you see that, like, for example, that wonderful film, Dead Man Walking, with the story mm-hmm. of Helen Prigine. I don't know if you Oh, yeah, yeah, we've heard her talk. Helen yeah. Prigine. And, uh, and you see that in the movie at one point. No? She visits the actor, Sean Penn, who was, mm-hmm. who was the, 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 the alleged murderer and... and uh, and then the family of the victim finds out and says, we thought you were on our side. Yeah. No? Oh, and she's like, oh, I wasn't taking sides. I was visiting this person who needed someone to listen yeah, to. Yeah, she talked about that, about having to hold you know, the victim and the right, uh, right, right. perpetrator and right, one in each yeah. arm. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so that's, that's Christianity, really. And, that's, uh, and in our pilgrimage of trust, when we, when we travel to different countries, we often see that happening, you know, that, that uh, people learn that Faith calls you to break down the wall of hatred. Um, yeah. South Dakota last year was like that. Uh, I was with a wonderful priest who, uh, who told, was there, we were at Yale University together uh, for, a, for a, ch- a prayer in the chapel, and he had to speak. And, and he told, told the, the, the long history of terrible events between the Native American people and, and the white people. And, and, and then he said, Yes, all of that is true, all the hurts. And, and then he pulled out this text of St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, where Paul says, Christ broke down the wall of hatred. Yeah. He is our peace. Huh? He broke down the wall. And he says, we still have this. This is still what is in front of us. Huh? Yeah. We still have to respond to this text. Huh? Is that what we want to do? And, and he, he was willing himself to go in that direction. Let's, let's welcome the peace and the reconciliation that Christ gives us. Not deny the hurt, not hide it, huh? yeah. not pretend it's all over, but 
but let's go in the direction that this text calls us to. And go, yeah, and uh, I mean, St. Paul even talks about, um, uh, I imagine you probably hear a lot of the, you know, writing, uh, writing to a community and saying, you know, don't say that I am of Apollos, I am of yes. Paul, I am of yes, Cephas, that's right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, First yeah. Corinthians Paul does that, yes, he does that. He doesn't want the division because it's normal to be competitors yeah. in, in, in human life. It's normal. We are, and, and Paul wants to say that's not how it is in Christianity. We're not competitors. We're brothers and sisters. We complete each other. We, are, no? uh, we, we don't have to exist. There's no winner and a loser. No? Yeah. Uh, we, we are together. There's, there's enough to go around for everyone. We don't have to eliminate someone in order to survive. And that's, a, that's, a, that's a mentality of the resurrection. Mm? Uh, you find that in St. Paul, no? to be risen with Christ is no longer to exist uh, with the need to have enemies. Yeah. You don't need enemies to exist anymore. Uh, uh, you, can, you can recognize brothers and sisters, not competitors who will take something away from you, uh, but people who wonderfully complete you, have a wonderful otherness about them, and there's enough love to go around. There's enough love to go around. There's not competition. No, no. So that, that's really concretely the life of the resurrection. Yeah. Amazing. Well, it's been, it's been good talking with you. We Thank could, you. We could do this uh, all evening. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, all right, so we'll, we'll tell the, we'll um, get, the, get the word out about the, the upcoming yeah, uh, Especially everyone's welcome to the prayers at 8 p.m., Friday and Saturday. And, uh, and if they want to come in the morning, it's 9 and uh, 12, 15 on okay. Saturday. Great. Thank you. Right. Well, thanks for Thank thanks you. for being on the show. Thank and, you, uh, too. Yeah. Thanks. I'll take a break. I'll be back. That's the show for this week. I want to thank Brother Emil of the Taze community for being on the show. From talking with Brother Emil, I could really sense the joy and peace that radiates from him, and it was a very spiritual experience. I also want to remind everybody to pray for Christian unity, and please come to the Taze prayers if you can in, a, in Austin or Houston or Dallas or find out, find out more about Taze on your own. Uh, I, trust me, the music is extremely beautiful. Also, a reminder to visit our humble Joe's People store. It's at joespeople.com store. I will continue to expand our offerings of books, music, and movies. And soon we're going to start selling sacred and inspirational images. And again, thank you for joining us for a mile or two in our walk with God. This is Joe Geisler saying good night and God bless from Austin, Texas. I'm so glad.